Yo, is this seat taken? Uh, yeah, it is. to invite our producer, uh, Isabella Eliopoulos. Did I get your last name right? Yes, Eliopoulos. Eliopoulos. Um, Yeah, we're really focusing on women for Women's History Month, and we hired a producer for the relaunch of Is the Seat Taken, and Isabella has been fucking great, so I wanted to, like, invite her on, give her the flowers that she deserves, and you know, talk about her career and all that jazz. So thanks for coming. Yay, I'm so excited. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited too. Is it weird being not on the producer side? <laughs> it's funny, yeah. It's funny because like, you know, I we have a little bit of experience with this like setup already and I was, you know, the strictly producer role. So when I'm named producer on this site, like I could say anything and it wouldn't pick up. So now it's like, no. You're the focus. <laughs> right, right. It's going to be, because you edit all the episodes, so you're literally going to be editing your own episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just listening back to myself. I'm, at this point, almost used to it, but it's like you never get fully used to it, you know? Right, right. I remember when I was editing my episodes before, you know, I, I hired you, um... I you really have to get used to hearing your own voice like oh yeah I was like I get a radio major I go on the radio and then I hate myself (laughs) like (laughs) you you edit your stuff and you're just like oh god but honestly there is something like that happens where you just kind of get used to it you know after doing it enough times you're like yeah okay like this is fine like (laughs) right um I also, like, just a side note, I swear my Chicago accent has gotten thicker. Yeah. Through cor- through quarantine. I don't know how. It was your mind not- telling you, like, you're too distanced from people in the city. You need to, like, bring it all <laughs> from, your- from within yourself. <laughs> oh, man. That's yeah, hilarious. When I, was, when I was recording the Unbound Babes ad and I listened back on it, I was like, She's from Chicago. <laughs> That's totally. funny. So, yeah, I just wanted to talk about your career and, you know, you're a recent graduate of Columbia. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, let's just get into that. What made you want to uh, major in audio production? Yeah, so um, I went into, I graduated from Columbia College, Chicago, um, May 2020. So, you know, mid-quarantine. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Um, Yeah, and I had a great experience there. I went into school undecided, so I knew that I loved the culture of the school and the arts and everything, and part of me thought I was going to pursue cultural studies at one point. Um, I was really into, like, Latin American studies. I did a lot of Spanish in high school, um, and I loved their, like, what their program seemed to be, so I knew I liked it there. I just didn't know what I was going to do. 
And then I ended up taking a voice and articulation class. Like, honestly, I don't even know why. I think maybe it fulfilled, like, some type of credit and it sounded kind of interesting. I always loved language, you know, so I think that's part of what led me to it. And, um, yeah, there it was just such an amazing class, an amazing group of people and a professor. Um, it was actually that professor's like final year at Columbia. So we all kind of felt like a really special connection of like, oh, this is Nancy's last year. Like, um, shout out to Nancy Uh. Marima. Um, yeah. So like we just had a great experience and basically the class was, um, we learned about some phonetics, but honestly, mostly it was just like, pick a copy, pick a script come to class, get in the booth and try it out. Like it was very much just like, see how you feel like, you know, reading something, announcing something, whatever. It was really kind of open. And so that kind of like loose environment and, you know, combined with just my classmates that I got to meet, like I've made some of my best college friends in that first class. Um, I realized I really like the feeling of being on the radio, you know, being on the mic. Um, and just the whole thing. And so, yeah, I eventually, um, after I think maybe another semester, I declared, um, my major. And so I did a major in radio and and I ended up doing a minor in journalism. And so, um, it was really awesome. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know your minor was in journalism. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got to, or maybe I did and I, (laughs) that's okay. We haven't (laughs) talked about it. That's what this episode's for. I smoke weed. (laughs) Oh my goodness. <laughs> I don't think I actually did tell you. So you get a, you get a pass on that. Um, okay. But yeah, so yeah, I got to kind of, I, I got to combine, you know, the entertainment and like the, the being on air kind of aspect with journalistic work and stuff like that. So I had a really nice, a really great experience at Columbia. Also, in my senior year, we actually got to travel to, um, we went to Iowa and South Carolina to cover the primaries, which was an amazing experience. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, Iowa was crazy because, of course, like the caucus nightmare, it was insane. So we all like were up all night, like editing our stories and everything and like just going absolutely nuts. Um, a good friend of mine, Louise, Louise Nets, um, she was with me in that class and she was my basically everybody but us were like strictly um written journalists and she and I were like the radio kids and so um we have such a great dynamic she I mean she's an amazing student and friend but um she was journalism major radio minor and I was the reverse so we kind of just got to like compliment each other um and we just I remember like (laughs) we were up literally all night in the hotel editing our story because like we were up watching the news until like one or 2 a.m being like okay are they gonna what's going on like are they gonna count any of the votes tonight and it was like no they're not counting any votes for days um and then we were editing in the car ride back like it was just absolutely an adventure so um yeah I've had what month was that so the Iowa caucus was very beginning of February, I want to say, or it might have been the very tail end of January, um, 2020. Yeah. So this was like our last, yeah. And I'm so grateful that we did end up doing that class. Oh, I just got, I just got chills. Thinking about (laughs) pre-COVID even existing and yeah, like getting, getting on a plane. Like, so we drove to Iowa and then we flew to South Carolina and that was at the end of February. So that was really close to when everything was shutting down. Um, but at the time, I mean, since everything moved so fast, like end of February was like, we're fine. You know, like 
there was no yeah. like oh should we go to the airport like what about COVID it was like there's one case in Chicago right. like I, you know what I mean it was crazy different right. so I'm very grateful right. that we got to do those trips when we did um because you know the, totally. the tail end of my college experience was interrupted very rudely <laughs> um you know, yeah. but I'm so glad I got to do like the bulk of my, um, my experience well before any of that. So that was good. Totally. I, I had one last trip pre COVID as well. And it was in the beginning of February mm-hmm. for like a symposium conference, um, called resistance served shout out to Ashton Berry, Kassira Hill and Eric. I forget his last name. I think it's King, but, um, yeah, it was in New Orleans, and it was, like I said, at the beginning of February, and, like, like there wasn't really, like, a lot of cases. Like, I remember, I remember calling, I remember calling my closest Walgreens and asking them if they had surgical masks, and, uh, you know, the, the clerk had no idea what I was talking about. Oh, my gosh, about. yeah. <laughs> Isn't that wild to think? And now it's like, now it's like you go anywhere and you can get masks. But like at the time, this was beginning of February. Like it was literally the first yeah. week of February, I want to say. And I was getting ready to leave. I was like, let me just get, try to get a mask just in case. And they had no idea what I was talking about. They're like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Who is this wild person on the other line asking Like, are for you masks? a surgeon? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, isn't that so weird? I remember a friend of ours in January was, like, super ahead of the curve um, and was telling us, like, hey, you guys might want to start, like, you know, looking for masks, like, blah, blah, blah. And we were like, okay. Like, we were totally in disbelief, you know, at that point. It was like, I mean, it's not here. So, like, you feel so ignorant looking back. You're like, God. (laughs) Right. I I remember a couple of things. I remember... Uh, LA was like one of the first places to stop doing concerts and shows mm. and stuff like that. And I, I used to like work adjacent to the music industry. I used to be a performer, like a dancer. Um, and you know, I still have friends that like are in the music industry and they're producers and DJs and whatnot. And one of my friends was like posting that, like, you know, venues in LA were like canceling all their shows. I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, like, we all think it's funny, and we're, you know, we're, in January, February, like, even into the beginning of March, we were, like, posting mm-hmm. funny memes about it, making it a joke, and he's like, no, dude, it's, like, some serious fucking shit, and I was like, oh, damn, and the other thing is, um, I, I was a bartender pre-COVID, yeah, and I worked St. Patrick's Day weekend, oh, gosh, which I, like Chicago was the first city to do a lockdown and New York followed shortly after that. And LA, like, it was like, duh, 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 like dominoes. Yeah. Right? Um, and you know, they like Lightfoot canceled all of the, the, you know, dying of the river. She canceled everything. She canceled the parades, but people like thinking people wouldn't go out still. Right. right? Hoping. It, right. Which is like, do you know white people in Chicago? Like, hello. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, that morning, the morning out, cause like, you, uh, for the listeners that don't know this about Chicago, we, it's like a big spectacle and we'll sell it. Like if say 
St. Patrick's Day lands on like a Thursday or Friday, we celebrate the Saturday beforehand. So sometimes it's almost a week. I want to say St. Patrick's Day last year was on like I think a, it might have been the weekend because I feel like it was really like, oh God, people well, are, of course are going to go out. Yeah, St. Patrick's Day was a Tuesday oh, okay. last year. <laughs> so it wasn't that far off because it's a Wednesday this year. So it wasn't that far off. So it was the Saturday before. And Lightfoot announced the morning of, like, no lines outside of bars. Like, you have a capacity of this. And it's like, people are getting after it by the time you announce right. that. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, people show up, and, like, 9, 10 a.m., like, plastered already. Yeah. <laughs> I had I had just started this job. I, I literally got hired to two jobs for a week before we all oh. shut down. It was it was not fun. So I I worked St. Patrick's Day right, and the day before, uh, I was at I was at this one job that I worked St. Patrick's Day at, and everyone was kind of like freaking out. They're like, "Are we gonna get canceled?" Like, like, cause you know they they like have ticket packages, mm-hmm. so you can like drink nonstop, which is gross. <laughs> but anyways, I digress. Um, and they're like, I don't know. And I was like, I need to make some money because I was a broke-ass bitch at the time. And I was I was washing my hands every single, ap- like, after I touched anything. Yeah. Like, after I touched money. Because it's like, you know, like, people's gross, drunk hands are all over their money and all over their debit oh, cards yeah. and all over, like, their pens, too. And I I was washing my hands like crazy. And I was like disinfecting everything and then the day after uh lightfoot announced it like the morning after i was like no fucking way you gotta be fucking kidding me yeah and i don't know it was reckless behavior also i remember i was to get up into that bar so to get into the bar you had to take an elevator right so as i was leaving my shift um there was this annoying white dude he was probably under the age of 24 i want to say and he started like fake coughing in the elevator like making a joke like oh i've covid and he was just laughing and there were you know it was a pretty packed elevator because this was you know before lockdown and I started yelling at him. I was like, dude, fuck you. And we had a security guard. And he's like, what's going on? I was like, this guy is making a joke. Like, people are dying. Like, da 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 And he's like, oh, yeah, well, he's leaving anyways. But Good. Yeah, oh, right. my God. And, uh, COVID. Yeah, good for anyways. you for speaking up. That's terrible. <laughs> but, yeah, seriously, like, people were not taking it seriously until it was literally locked down like locked down right it was crazy oh well, gosh i mean i think it's a very american attitude right totally and i think a lot of us like there's tons of memes and tiktoks out there that are like something along the lines of um uh <laughs> when lockdown started and we thought it was just going to be for a few weeks. Oh yeah. I you thought know? I just had an, a bonus spring break, like, cause I oh, was about to right. basically, yeah, yeah. Like we were about to, um, 
eventually have our spring break the following week. So it was like, oh, this is just, you know, we get ahead of it. Like, woo, we'll be back in two weeks. Right. Like, right. Yeah, I was, and like, excited. Were... <laughs> like, I was like, right. no school. Like, like... <laughs> <laughs> and then people were, like, still going to Florida for spring break. I remember that was in the news. People were, like, maskless, like, oh, I'm not going to get it. Oh, my God. Anyways, yeah. let's, let's get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so you, you majored in audio production, minored in journalism, uh, and you did work with your school's radio station for a while. Yeah. 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 Basically, um, I did a first semester with WCRX is, um, Columbia's radio station, Chicago's underground. And it's like a top 40 station, but we also incorporate like local music and, you know, we do kind of just a lot of different, you know, local Chicago things, but it is a top 40 format. So the first semester that I did it, um, everybody gets like a three hour shift every week and you do top 40 stuff. You do, you know, promos, PSAs about, you know, random stuff going on in the city or whatever. And so that was really fun. But I also realized that I'm not necessarily a top 40 radio DJ personality, you know? Um, And so (laughs) it was, yeah, definitely like a realization. Like, I do like being on the air, but I think, A, I like production a little bit more. So I like, you know, I still like voicing things, but I do like to, like, edit them and curate them. You know, like, live is great, but it's also not my strongest suit, I think. You know, the editing and more of the production is kind of where I'm at. Um, And B, I was like, no matter how hard I try, I am not a 103.5 KISS FM host. I'm not a 107.5 GCI. Like, I'm just not that, you know? Like, I just don't have that kind of, like, energetic, like, caliber, you know? Um, Some of my classmates... Mm -hmm completely fit the mark, like completely are perfect for that. But as I, as I had my more experience, I was like, yeah, this is just not necessarily my strongest suit. I'm much more of like a conversational, like kind of suited voice. And so the following semester, you get to kind of curate your own show and you don't have, like you still play a lot of the same music, but you can also, you could also do like a total, like, you know, blues show or like a total, um, you know, interview based show. And so what I did was like, my show was called Izzy events. Um, because in radio, all my friends know me as Izzy, um, which is really funny. That's like an exclusive, yeah, like radio friend nickname. Um, and it actually came about in that Uh class I was talking about earlier, voice and articulation, because, um, our professor Nancy called me Izzy and it just stuck. And so Izzy events, it was just where I would reach out to any local Chicago organization, or they could have been a band. They could have been literally anyone local if they were hosting or holding some kind of event that people could go to. And so it was interesting because I had a great run for the first, you know, two, three non-COVID months and then COVID hits, but it's like, we're still going to do our show. So I quickly had to like adapt it to online events and that was honestly still really fun it was kind of like you know how in the beginning the first quarantine there's honestly um a nostalgia that surrounds it especially among people my age because it's kind of like there wasn't as much expected of you everything was kind of new and like 
you were staying home and it wasn't boring yet, you know? It was like, ooh, mm -hmm. whipped coffee, TikTok yeah. dances, like everything's so, like, <laughs> there's such an era, you know? And so during that time, it was pretty, like, exciting to be like, okay, let me find a business who's still hosting something virtual, you know, and like, let's see how they're adapting. And it was just, it was nice. It was, it was still like a really interesting, like my format still worked. So that was good. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed hosting that show. Um, and just kind of getting to showcase like all types of goings on in the city. Cause there's literally like the reason I kind of did it is because I, I love attending events and like, for example, the Newberry library, they'll host like some, just kind of like events where someone will talk about the research they've done utilizing the library and it's some like obscure topic. Like I love those type of things. And so I was like, you know what? I find myself always Googling like Chicago events, March, like always like, you know, Googling what's, what events are going on this week and whatever. So I figured why not make my show kind of like based around that. And yeah, it was really fun. I, I really had a great time with that. And I loved, you know, being on the radio and not having to feel like my personality didn't fit the format, you know? Um, yeah. And so that was a great experience. I love CRX. Um, hopefully post COVID, like I can go back, you know, one day and, you know, be on somebody's segment or just even kind of like, you know, go see everybody. Cause yeah, we were so abruptly just yanked out, you know, it was crazy. Right. It was definitely crazy. But, um, yeah, so I loved CRX and everything, everything we did there. And then also, um, when I did newsy stuff, like for example, going to, you know, South Carolina and Iowa and anything like that, we would then send our stories over to Matt Cunningham. He was like the, um, runner of CRX and my professor. And then he would play our stuff on the radio as well. So there'd be time for that where it was like, okay, cool. Like these are some Columbia students who did some investigative stuff or some reporting and we would get to play it on there too. So I definitely had a, like a wide range of experiences on, on the radio there. And I loved it. I loved all of it. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of pivoting as well definitely though. it was it was it was fast-paced and like I would sometimes be scrambling you know like a couple days before like oh god what story am I gonna do like but luckily right. I mean there was always something going on in the city you know so someone was always yeah always ready to you know kind of jump in and talk about that totally um let's get into the first segment cool uh let's do death meal So if you, you know, if you were given a heads up that you were going to pass away tomorrow or whatever, <laughs> what would your last meal be? Yeah. Oh, man. This is tough because <laughs> I'm sure everyone else has said I like to eat. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think my off the bat, like my first instinct is to go with Mediterranean food or Greek food because obviously like, well, maybe it's not obvious, but my last name is Eliopoulos. I'm half Greek. Um, and so I was going to, I was going to guess that once you yes. said Greek food, I'm like, oh yeah, her last name is definitely Greek. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've like gotten to grow up, you know, um, eating all types of delicious Greek food. And I think I would definitely have to say, okay, so my, so I consider her my grandma, my Yaya, but she's technically my cousin's um, Yaya. But I would have to say that it would be 
homemade pastizzo. And I'll, I'll go into details about what all this is, but um, definitely Yaya's pastizzo. And I would definitely want Greek spaghetti because my family knows that that's my favorite meal. So, so good. So basically, pastizzo, a lot of people will describe it as a Greek lasagna. And that's not exactly doing it justice, but it does give you a sense of like, okay, what does it look like? Um, it's basically these really thick noodles and then it's this meat it's like kind of like a ground beef in a bechamel sauce um Mm. and that's kind of like this savory like delicious sauce and then there's like this um kind of like light airy cheese that's also involved in it it's so delicious yeah yeah it's so amazing sounds so good Oh my gosh, when we can go back out, like, go to Greek town, get some pastizzo, like, it is so good. But of course, I would want it made by Aya Maria, because, obviously. And so, that is such, such a good meal, and I can eat so much of it, it's ridiculous. Um, (laughs) And then, Greek spaghetti, um, at least the way that she makes it, so, like, I've tried to order it at different restaurants, like, and it's just never the same. And I know that's what everybody says, but it's so true. You know, there's just that one homemade meal where you're like, yeah, you have to do it right. And so the way that she makes it and that we make it like in my family, um, it's spaghetti noodles, like thick spaghetti noodles. And then basically you brown butter. You almost burn the butter. Um mm-hmm. And you toss it in the noodles and then you use misitra cheese, which is this really delicious salty Greek cheese. It's so, so good. I'm like addicted. And then also cinnamon is involved. So it's a really interesting, weird dish, but it is the best food in the world. Like so, so good. So definitely a lot of noodles involved in my death meal, (laughs) but um, I think that would have to be it. Like pastizzo greek spaghetti probably like if i'm just going all in like for the whole greek you know meal spanakopita would be in there which is basically like um this spinach and cheese like pastry kind of thing made with like phyllo dough so it's really light and flaky so good oh so yeah definitely would go all in um for for just all the greek food just give it to me (laughs) yes yeah i i ask this question to people sometimes and they just choose like one entree and I'm like no you're like it's a meal like a you can have a 10 course meal like oh yeah (laughs) yes I'm like give me give me the appetizer give me the entree like (laughs) yeah have you been to Greece no I haven't I definitely want to get there um my cousin who's really close in my age like we've grown up being like best friends She's been so many times and she's a hundred percent Greek and like she if she could pick up and move there right now, she would. Like she's completely in love with it. Um and she's been like probably like five times now, I wanna say. Because she's got family awesome. that directly like lives there and everything. Um yeah, yeah. her Yaya's actually back there right now. And so yeah, I definitely wanna get there ASAP, you know, within hopefully the next couple of years, honestly. Once Right. Once, you know. <laughs> Once we're able to go there, because yeah. <laughs> we're not even able to go to most of Europe right now. Exactly. I think all of it. But yeah, um, I've actually never, I've never left the country. Um, Not yet in my really? life. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I haven't gotten to explore, uh, explore the world as much as I'd like to yet. So I can't wait until I can. There. Absolutely. There. I was actually supposed to go to Greece for my birthday last year. Oh, really? Yeah, and my birthday's in May, so I was just like, 
Yeah. <laughs> like, I canceled. I was like, listen, um, because I was going to go with my friend at the time. And I was like, hey, this COVID stuff, I don't know if it's like going to be safe. Let's just like, let's not book our flight. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> right. And then, you know, I, yeah, my, I, I need a redo of my, of my 30th for sure. Totally. Um, all right. Let, let's get back into it. Uh, what are some things that you think that you've had to overcome or just like unfortunate bullshit you've had to deal with um, in your career being a woman? Hmm. Yeah, I, I can, you know, luckily say that I haven't had to deal with too much of that yet in my, in my life. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with, um, the fact that a i've been really lucky you know and i've been really lucky to meet and work with people who are like really great like-minded you know um nothing n- nothing that you know i've had to f- I, have, I haven't really had to face any huge discrimination um within my within my career i mean i got really lucky um meeting andy who was my boss at ox Um, and you know, I'm still affiliated with them. I just haven't done any projects with them in a while, but, um, yeah, he's such a wonderful person. And like, I was hired on as a producer first, I was an intern, then it became a paid job and, um, so on. And so that's been like such a blessing. And I also, my first, um, project with them, I was producing a show for a woman, um, Stephanie, shout out to Stephanie. Um, we had a great show for a while. And so, yeah, I mean, I was, I was really lucky in that way to like, just jump into, you know, work and just have it work, like have it just be, you know, with some surrounded by some great people. And, you know, it was, it was a small group of us. So there wasn't, you know, I have never experienced like the traditional work culture of like, I work for, you know, a big company and men get paid more than I do, you know, like I've never really had that kind of job yet. I've always been, you know, lucky enough to do a lot from home and to kind of just, yeah, like just be treated with respect. And it's been amazing. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've been really lucky in that sense. That's very lucky. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) And I I definitely recognize that. I mean, I've, I've Mm -hmm. every day I'm like, how, you know, how did I get to do this? Like it's, yeah, it was, it was a great like forage into, um, you know, the podcast world and just putting my like radio skills to use. Um, so yeah, I mean, I can, I can really honestly say that I've never had, I've never had like a discriminatory experience within work. I mean, I've been really, really You're lucky. So lucky. Yeah. You're so lucky. <laughs> and knock I, I want to knock on wood. Yeah. Because you know, right. who knows where I'm going to go, um, exactly. you know, next or in the future, because that's just not the case for most any, any woman. Not so, you know, and I think, you know, I think that it's 2021, 2020, whatever year it is. <laughs> and, um, yes. you know, I, I think that there's been like a lot of shifts happening, especially since COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, just, you know, with the Me Too movement, um, and, more and more people are able to speak up and feel comfortable about speaking up and more and more people are kind of able to 
you know, put their foot down and say no, but also, like, kind of pick and choose who they work with and kind of know, right? Yeah. Um, I I keep thinking of Issa Rae for some reason when I, when I talk about this, mm. but she she has really kind of set forth this huge... I, I don't know the adjective I want to use, but she's basically, like, been like, no, I'm here, and I'm bringing all my fucking homies with me, and making sure that, you know, her work culture is a good work culture, and I think, I think that's something that should be talked about, right? But yeah. more importantly, I think that's something that, you know, is, is gaining a lot of traction. Yeah, totally. Combined, like, just the courage to speak up and being surrounded by people who are holding, you know, their peers accountable. And then mm-hmm. also just the increase in women holding leadership positions, you know, it's just mm-hmm. giving way to like, you know, accountability and just fair treatment and, you know, getting closer and closer to women running the world. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, we already do run the world. We just don't get acknowledged. Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally <laughs> but yeah no That's I've funny. I, I've been I've been really happy to see like so many powerful women being leading as example like that you know um yeah yeah right who is your biggest inspiration um or maybe a couple in terms of like producer work okay yeah um I would say first I have to say my friend Louise, who I talked about earlier, she's a huge inspiration to me. I mean, she has helped me and like will continue to help me just as a friend, but also in our in our careers so much. She's so driven and just I mean, like if this is the dynamic that we had, like we would sit down and have to brainstorm for a story. Right. I would sit Mm -hmm. there and be like, hmm. Hmm. And she would sit there and be like, okay, so I have six ideas. You can use these two if you want. (laughs) I'm going with this one, but I'm not sure. And she would just constantly provide, like, she is just always, you know, really good at, at fine tuning and, and kind of dialing in and thinking of, of really specific good things to cover and always sharing that with me. So she's like, just always been such a generous person. Um, and yeah, we've gotten to work together, you know, I hope that we get to more do so much more, but even the stuff that we've gotten to do, you know, through college and everything has just been so amazing. And yeah, she's such a driven person. I feel like sometimes we're like yin and yang and she, yeah, she, she inspires me so much. Um, I would say another person who does, who has inspired me a lot is a professor, George Czar. Um, he, he actually is, I think done at Columbia. I think he's doing his last class like this semester, but um, that's definitely a theme in my life. Also, side note is having really influential professors and that be their last, their last year in high school, my choir director, she retired the same year that um, we graduated. And so that's kind of been like a theme is like, you know, getting to have that time, that last time with um, those professors and those, those teachers. But yeah. Also like inspiring professors is like, columbia in a nutshell totally oh my gosh my my brother uh was making fun of an ex-boyfriend i had years ago Mm -hmm. and 
he he went to Columbia but didn't finish because he was hella in debt because of going to Columbia. Yeah. And my brother was like, oh, yeah, he just wanted to go to Columbia so he could get one of those inspiring teachers that maybe changed his life. And I was like, oh, my God, that is so true. Like, everyone just wants everyone wants to go to Columbia to find that inspiring teacher that, like, gets them out of their seat. Yes. Like, that, is, that is so funny. But at the same time, it's like, I have ADHD and I cannot sit in a desk for longer than an hour. Like, yeah. it's really hard for me. So if, like, a teacher is, like, a monotonous, like, you know, the Bueller, Ferris Bueller's day off yes. teacher, like, Bueller. Like, if I if I have a teacher like that, like, uh-uh, like, I can't. I yeah, can't. just turns into the Charlie <laughs> Brown teacher. Just Exactly. Just or that. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it is such a cliche about, like, you know, Columbia having teachers who actually do what they teach, but it is so true at the same time. Like my professor, George, he, so he's really big into audio drama. So he does a lot of like fiction work. Um, he's like a writer, a uh, great voice actor, so many different things. And, um, he encouraged me in so many, so many ways that I never would have done things without like his guidance. Um, we did this audio drama we like basically wrote this seven part series and then I directed a week long class of voice actors to actually voice the script and do it. Yeah. And then we passed it off to a production class who was then going to put everything together. Now combination of just a lot of work being involved and COVID hitting that's still in progress, unfortunately, but I just can't wait until that's actually like a, a living breathing project I can share um, so there's still some people working on that, but that was such a fun and unique experience to just like hop into the shoes of a director and be like, okay, this is, this is normal. I'm not nervous. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, like George is just such a smart and hilarious man and teacher. And like, I'm, we were just so lucky to get to kind of have a closeness and like, just be, you know, basically just doing things I never would have done, you know, if it weren't for a teacher like that being like, hey, why don't you like step up and do it? I think you'd be great. And being like, I, I guess, mm -hmm. like, you know, just kind of mm -hmm. something definitely that fell out of my comfort zone at the time, but that really worked out and turned out to be a great experience. Totally. Yeah. Awesome. Let's get into the next segment. Uh, guilty pleasure drink. It doesn't have to contain alcohol. Okay. I am going to say something controversial. My guilty pleasure oh drink boy. is 2% milk. <laughs> oh, no! What is wrong with and you? And I knew this would be a perfect answer because, you know, I... Okay, so what? about... What? About two years ago... Explain yourself! Oh, about two years ago, um, <laughs> oh I totally stopped drinking dairy milk, like many others. Um, I also definitely have a bit of a lactose intolerance, so that was a big part of it. Um, okay. And so, yeah, like, I totally stopped drinking. I was like, this is fine. Like, I like almond milk, and I prefer oat milk to of all of them. But um, when I'm eating chocolate chip cookies, nothing it's okay. like 2% yeah. milk, you know? Okay. Yeah. yeah. See, I'm glad that that was, that's accepted. Um, it's a very that's much the like, only exception. it really is. It really is. So yeah. Guilty pleasure. Get me a glass of milk and cookies. Like that is I thought, it. okay. 
I thought you were just chilling. Chugging milk. On your porch, just chugging. (laughs) So I will say, like, I do love milk. And I think that it is so funny how polarizing that statement is. Because some people are like, you're disgusting. Like, that is so wrong. But it's so good. I mean, I don't drink it alone anymore, like, that much. Just also because of the, like, lactose. Um, But, man, like... You gotta have it with cookies. Nothing compares. You ever dip a chocolate chip cookie in almond milk? Oh my god. It's not. It's not the same. So you definitely, you need it. That is my 100% guilty pleasure drink. (laughs) I can't though. Oh my god. Oh, I knew I needed to set it up. (laughs) Oh man. I know. I mean, because (laughs) just thinking about it, there's just, it's there's been such a like move away from dairy in general. Um, and I really, I really respect it because of the like climate implications and everything like that. Like oat milk, they Mm -hmm. say is the least, um, you know, damaging when it comes to production and everything like that. Like it's the best for the environment. That's lucky because I think it's the best tasting like alternative milk, um, or Mm plant-based, but, um, yeah, I mean, Nothing hits like milk and cookies. I'll never get. I'll never be able to stop that. Well, I don't want to say never, but have you have you seen that meme where it's like they really had us drinking cartons of milk with pizza in elementary school? Yes. yes. <laughs> and I think back on that, I'm like, yeah, that shit was fucking gross. Why were they having us? Why were they forcing? Because you know, in the in the 90s and you know i'm sure early 2000s there was this like big boom of like milk is really good for you drink milk it's good for your bones you need the calcium and it was it was a total marketing scheme which is really what it boils down to like all these marketers were like milk remember like the calcium in it like it's not even yeah yeah. isn't that ridiculous you you can get calcium from lettuce well not lettuce but spinach and kale right right? but the whole got milk campaigns like britney spears did it kim kardashian like it was like it was huge huge, yeah yeah there was definitely a poster in our lunchroom a got milk poster like right in our lunchroom for sure (laughs) i'm i i could imagine (laughs) and i remember sometimes Uh, like treating myself to chocolate milk and like the carton of chocolate that was like a really like ooh. We're gonna. But even then, it was trash. It was oh, yeah. like it wasn't the same as when you make it at home with like you know the Hershey's mm. syrup and the regular. Yes. I can't. I so I was raised on vitamin D milk. Okay. Yeah, that's good too. Honestly, honestly. Ugh, no. It like. Oh God! It would make me puke, and I'd be like, "Dad, no. I, I can't drink this." And he's like, "You're gonna fucking drink it." Like I literally. Oh my hate you. God. I guess I was blessed with not hating it because, yeah, I mean, like, Uh -uh. being forced to drink milk is a whole other story than just, like, enjoying it with some cookies or some cereal. Like, man, I can definitely see why you would have such an aversion to it if it's like, here's this glass of milk, chug it now. That's awful. (laughs) Um, Let's get into the last segment, if you were president. like a world leader what would your you know maybe 
first two to three things be that you would set into place? Yeah. Okay. So, um, I think the first, or at least one of the things that I would do is implement universal health care mm-hmm. and I would establish a maximum wage and a minimum wage. Ah, okay. Yeah. That would definitely be a move. Um, no more multi-billionaires, like, <laughs> because clearly they just can't be trusted. <laughs> so no. um, I would establish, rich. yeah, I don't know what that maximum wage would be. I would definitely consult, um, you know, a team of people who know more about economics, but maximum wage and then a minimum wage of at least $17, like at least maybe, maybe $20 an hour. Like if we can't even get to 15 right now, like it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. So definitely 15 15 isn't even enough. Exactly. And I might try to like work something into the constitution. If we have to keep being America and keep abiding by this constitution, then I would try to like incorporate something where it's like, every 10 years, this increases by, you know, so-and-so amount. Like, so we don't keep running into these, like, insane obstacles where we just, like, Mm -hmm. don't make progress. So that's definitely something I would do. Um, I think, oh, what else would I do? I think I would at least defund the police, you know? If not abolish, then Uh I would greatly defund, Uh and then I would, like, try to tunnel... I mean, tunnel, funnel that money towards, um, you know, mental health services, social services, yeah. community support groups, stuff like that. Try to really build up what we all know could work, you know, and like, mm-hmm. you know, just avoid the nonsense and violence that we're seeing, you know, every day. Um, and then right. I think after that, I would just say, I'm the final president and we're never going to have a president again. We're never going to have the two party system again. Um, we're going to do like a parliament, you know, like something bigger. Oh, okay. um, because I thought, I thought you were going to say like, I am going to be the president. Oh, no. I'm like, damn, Isabella. I need to use my words better. No way. Yeah. I'm the last president. Like, oh, Okay. <laughs> All this progressive laws pass, and then I'm in. <laughs> yeah, no, I then, I guess what I mean is I would abolish the presidency and just say, okay, yeah. now that I've done these few things, we're going to set up, like, because the United States is just too big to have one president. It's kind of ridiculous. I mean, I think, I I completely agree with you. I think the whole idea of having leaders in general, like, one person, like, dictate and give the final say on a lot of, like, even with the, um, uh, Supreme Court, it's like. Right. And, and the Senate, like, that's another thing I would probably try to like, um, you know, I know that the Senate has term limits, but we still get stuck with the same old people in their jobs for life. Like, it's just not democratic. So I would definitely try to make some changes about, you know, um, re-election and make sure that we're not stuck with just, like, these lifelong leaders who are not keeping up with the times at all, so. I think, I think it's the millennial in me, but it's like, you want to have the same job for your whole life? That sounds so boring. (laughs) (laughs) Right, when that's not even something I can foresee yet, like. (laughs) Right, it's like, I haven't, I, I haven't had a job longer than two years 
like, I can't, I mean, I just started my own business, so, like, that hopefully will be going longer than two years, but at the same time, it's, like, I don't know. Yeah, you'll still always be, like, doing something else or pursuing something else. Yeah, like, all the projects. I, I think, I think you said a lot of good stuff there. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, definitely... I can't imagine holding that position, um, in real life. And like, I'm sure, like, I'm sure there's so many other things that, that could have taken precedent, but like for off the bat, you know, those are a couple of things I feel like we need to address. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And it's not even that much to ask. It's just that the powers that be are like, no, it's like, what do you mean? No. Like what? Why? (laughs) Like, I get, I, I get the whole, the only thing that I can, like, kind of understand is the whole abolish the police. Like, I even, I know liberals that are like, no, I don't want to get rid of the police. But I think, you know, I think, I think people get confused as to what, like, abolish the police means. Like, I think, like, overall, it's like, no, we don't want no police. We just want accountability. And we don't want more than half of the city budget to go to police right or specifically the money that was intended for covid relief to go towards the police like don't even get me started on that it's i i i've said that this is probably my last year living in chicago like my lease is up in april i'm gonna do like one more excuse me one more year but at the same time i so badly want to be here to vote lightfoot out like I, I cannot wait to see her be a one-term mayor because she, you know, like, I wasn't as into politics when Rom was our mayor, but I, I still am aware of all the fucked up shit he did, like the Laquan McDonald cover-up, like, that was, like, a huge no-no, and I, I'm aware of all of the um fucked up shit he did to cps and the defunding of that but like i'm like i feel like lightfoot has done a worse job than rom but then again like i can't sit here and say that confidently because i wasn't as into Paul. i didn't even live here for the whole time rom was mayor as well i was living in colorado so but yeah, it's very frustrating when it. you think that someone is more progressive than they turn out to be. Like, when Lightfoot and Preckwinkle were the last two, you know, in the runoff election, like, I honestly thought that Lightfoot was the more progressive, and I think some people did too in mm-hmm. that in that time, but I think it's shaping out to be that Tony Preckwinkle would have been more progressive than, than she is right now. Yeah, you know, I've had that conversation <clears throat> with one of my friends, and she's like, but would Preckwinkle have been that much better? I'm like, honestly, I think about that often, because I voted Preckwinkle, and I voted Preckwinkle based off of the fact that, like, everyone was like, Lori's a cop, and the only reason why Lori even won was based off of uh, identity politics. You know, because they were like, queer black mayor. I'm like, yeah, Preckwinkle is too. Like, hello. Um, but I think about that often. I'm like, who would have done about it? Like, I'm, uh, like, it's hard to say. Like, it, it's it's like a big what if kind of thing. You know what I mean? But, yeah. 
Um, let's get back into the subject, the topic of discussion, which is literally just you. Just me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, we, we talked about your history. We talked about your, uh, school. We talked about your inspirations. Um, what, what inspires you in general? Um, my parents are definitely my first answer. Yeah, I gotta shout them out. They're so supportive. I'm an only child, so I get all the love. (laughs) Okay, there you go. Very much an only child. Um, and so, yeah, I've always, I've always had such an amazing relationship with my parents. They're the best. Um, I can't wait till I'm fully vaccinated so we can all hang again. But yeah, they, they're amazing. Like, they've, they've enabled me to do everything that I've ever, you know, been able to do in my life. Um, they're super, you know, encouraging and interested in what I do. And yeah, I couldn't ask for better parents. So they're definitely my first answer. Uh Yeah, they're, they're the best. You'll probably end up seeing my mom interacting with our social media at some point down the line. (laughs) I think think she already looks at my Instagram stories all the time. Like my personal one. I'm like, who is, and I was like, is this Isabella's mom? <laughs> Ellie, it's the story of my life. Literally. That's so funny. Oh my God. She's like, hilarious. Like she's going to be, I smoke all the weed on my Instagram. <laughs> oh, she's here for it. Okay. <laughs> she's fully here for it. Oh yeah. No, she's, she's one of a kind for sure. That's um, great. But yeah, so they're, they definitely are a huge inspiration for me. Um, yeah, and just my just my entire family. I mean, I have I'm lucky, even though I'm an only child, I have a big family um in terms of aunts and uncles and cousins and stuff. So, um they're they're a huge inspiration. I have a, like so many amazing female cousins. Love my male cousins too. You guys are awesome. But I have so many strong women in my family, um and it's always been such like a blessing um just to have people to look up to. On my mom's side, I'm the youngest cousin and there's like a million of us. So I've always had a bunch of people to just kind of look up to and, you know, always know that they're in my corner. And then my friends, my friends are amazing. Um, A lot of them are pursuing like grad school right now and doing that during COVID is like insane. Um, Uh Just always like, I just have some really hardworking and really like just great, great friends. So I've, and again, being an only child, friendship has always been super important to me. Because, yeah, my friends are, like, as close to my siblings as I'll ever get, you know? So I definitely have always been able to, like, lean on them. And, yeah, I've been lucky to have some friendships that have lasted, like, forever. Like, since, you know, I met them in middle school and I still have them today. So I'm really lucky for that. That's great. Um, what change do you wish to see within your industry? Um, that's a good question. I think I hope to see just, like, people keeping up with the ever-changing times and formats. Like, you know, even when I started pursuing radio, there was always people saying, like, oh, yeah, radio's dying. Like, isn't the radio, like, a dying industry, you know? Like, there's podcasts now, and, like, there's, you know, this and that. And so I think that, like, part of you wants to say, like, oh, yeah, like, who listens to the radio anymore? But I think as long as people kind of are up to date with like, like I said, like changing formats and stuff like that, like you can still, I think that there's always a need for great stories, for music, for everything that, you know, you, that comes with the radio. Um, 
there's always going to be, that's never going to like go out of style. I think it's just a manner of like how we consume it. Um, you know, of course, podcasts have had their huge boom and are still like booming. Um, so I think I would just like to see, I guess, a change in attitude, if anything, of like, you know, shifting away from the narrative that it's like, oh, you know, the radio is so old, you know, so such a dying industry yeah. and more like, OK, how can we like make sure that, you know, we're appealing to our listeners or how can we make sure that our content is heard? Like, should we do a podcast? Should we get on this? You know, whatever it may be, you know, so I think just kind of keeping an optimistic attitude of like, there's always a need for stories and there's always a need for, you know, someone to guide you through whatever it may be, be it music, entertainment, like culture, news, whatever. Um, yeah, that's, I think that's definitely just a change in attitude. Totally. Love it. I think that's it. Yeah. We, we, we did a lot to get here. We had a lot of technical issues today, but I don't even know what time we're at, but I feel like we're at an hour. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, we're there. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, Isabella. Yeah, you're so welcome. Um, this was great. I'm, I'm so excited to continue working with you. I, Me too. I'll, I'll see you soon. See you soon. I love is this seat taken. <laughs> Bye. Bye.